glad you're with me today. Listen, I'm, I'm excited about our talk today. I, I'm really, really excited because it's honest. It's an honest conversation about an important question. Who are you following? And how have they influenced your life? Jeremiah 29, 11 is one of the greatest verses in the Bible to me. Because it basically says, I have a plan for your life. A plan not to harm you, not to hurt you, but the plan to give you a future and a hope. It's a great verse. When I first heard it, I was blown away. But what was often missing in the conversation about the verse was the context. The context is talking to people who are in exile in Babylon and people who are stuck in Jerusalem or stuck in Israel. They were two groups. There was those who were, who were carried away in exile, several thousand people like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember those guys, the book of Daniel, right? This is those guys. They were carried away. And then you got guys who were left behind. And so he's talking to both, and basically he's saying, you got here because of rebellion. And that's the big question he answers in the whole book. How did we get here? And especially in chapter 29. Let me tell you how you got here. You got here through rebellion. But I do have a plan for you, a plan to get you to another place. And so he talks to them about the importance of, first, first of all, facing reality and realizing, that, realizing where you put yourself, realizing that you put yourself in this place. Secondly, he talks to them about the importance of having a good attitude. Now that you're here, build a house, settle here. It's going to be 70 years. It's not going to go away. And we'll talk more about that down the road. But I want to just say, this was a powerful conversation. And then in this part, he turns now to talk about leaders. Now, this is important because he's going to basically indict the leaders and say, you, you're part of the problem. Your attitudes, the way you manage people is part of the problem. So chapter uh, 29, verse 8 says this. Look at Jeremiah 29 and 8. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners or spiritual people among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you, you encourage them to have. Notice that. You encourage them to have these dreams. Now, one more time. Do not listen to the dreams that they, that you encourage them to have. Very important statement. I'll come back to the minute. Verse 9. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Wow. So this is a moment where the Lord's setting the record straight. And he's trying to help us understand the negative impact that certain leaders have had, especially spiritual leaders. Now, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. It's hard for a lot of people because we've taken the Bible in many ways out of context. You know, touch not my anointed, do my prophet no harm, which means you can't say anything about a leader. Some of you think, you know, remember Miriam. She said something about Moses and, and she got leprosy. You shouldn't talk about the preacher. You shouldn't talk about the prophet. You shouldn't talk about anybody that's leading me. As though leaders are perfect and they're not. I say that with great humility and, 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 and great fear and trembling. I'm not perfect. I haven't made all the perfect decisions. And I'm trying my best to do it right. But let me tell you the key, humility, being honest and willing to talk. I think a lot of spiritual leaders hide behind the pulpit. You know, when Jesus was preaching, you can answer questions. I'm not saying you should do that. And don't go to church and start raising your hand, okay? <laughs> I'm simply saying it was, there was a plenty of opportunity to question and ask things and, and find answers. You, you didn't just get to hide behind the pulpit and then walk out the door with your, you know, you know, um, and I'm not against having, you know, people help you or security. I'm not against any of that. In certain contexts, it makes sense. But what I'm saying is, if you're not careful, there's nobody that ever questions you as a leader. You have all power, make all decisions. No one can ask you anything. 
Now, I'm not trying to give the deacons a little weapon to go and beat the pastor up either because I see too much of that. So some of you, that's right, I'm going to go talk to the pastor today. Hey, Pastor, Pastor Ricky's talking about you. Don't do that, please. I'm not, I'm not trying to create that. I'm simply saying in this chapter where we are in our study, Jeremiah turns to the leaders. And Jeremiah says leaders can get out of sync and they can have attitudes and do things that are not in their best interest. And so the key is to try to force us back to a place where we are willing to consider our own error and our own mistakes. And I think the message is very simple. Be careful. And there are five areas he said to be careful about, five key warnings that he gives to to leaders. And the first thing he says is, and this is to the people about leaders, do not listen to everyone who claims to speak for God. Do not listen to everyone who claims to speak for God. I'm amazed that somebody can just go, shandala, shandala, hallelujah, hallelujah, and then tell you everything about your life without any um, qualifications, without any validation. They just feel it. And so because they feel it, you start following it. But he's concerned. He said, do not listen to everyone who claims to speak for God. Number two, do not let the prophets and diviners deceive you, implying that you can be deceived by religious people, implying that you can really be sincerely deceived. Now, I, I don't like that, but, this, but I understand that can, be, that can happen. Number three, do not allow people you lead to pressure you into bad decisions. Now, this is important because now he turns to leaders and says, you got to make sure that leaders that you're following have not been pressured by you to say what you want them to say. You know, in this environment, for example, during this season of challenge, one of the hard things during the pandemic has been trying to get people, if you're watching this post-pandemic, God bless you, you made it through it. But during the pandemic, when you're fighting COVID-19, one of the things was people wanted you to say, go to church. That was the pressure in the congregation. And so pastors sometimes would compromise, put their members at risk because they wanted to say what the members need to say because otherwise the members would leave. And their churches, I've known pastors, they, they lost hundreds of people because they said wear a mask. They lost hundreds of people because they wouldn't gather the way they used to gather in the same numbers. They, they limited the number of people in the sanctuary space. And so what's interesting is you, you have people pressuring you not to talk about certain things, not to allow, to allow certain things to happen in the church or in, in, the, in, the, in the leadership. And so if you're not careful, you're, you're following a leader you pressure to compromise. Very powerful statement Jeremiah makes. And then he says, do not believe prophetic lies that people make up. We're living in a season when we're almost confused about truth. I can tell you I got on a purple jacket, and, and if I say this is purple, and, and you just say, well, that's the, that's the new purple. This is not the new purple. It's not purple, period. As a matter of fact, next week I'm going to wear a purple jacket, okay? That's, that, so tune in next week and, and say, oh, that's purple. Yeah, right, right. I, yeah, I like royal colors sometimes. I get really royal. <laughs> but let me say this to you. You got to be careful that you're not just saying things that aren't true. And they're prophetic lies sometimes. We mean well. Um, you say, well, give me an example, Pastor Rick. Mm, you don't get me in trouble. 
You ready? Okay, here, here go. And I, I'm going to say this to you. I think guys mean well, people mean well, but let me just say, um, the Lord told me to have you give $500 right now. Send it in, and your life will never be the same. Your marriage will be healed. Your body will be healed. You'll get a promotion on your job because you give $500 to the man of God right now. Send it in to 199999-RICKY. Send it in to 199999-RICKY. Now, if y'all stop, don't do that because they know 199-RICKY. Don't do that. Okay? I'm making this up. But I'm making a point. How many times have we been deceived into doing things? And you might say, well, why would he do that? He's trying to raise money to pay the budget. If people just gave, then these guys wouldn't be tempted to do all that. And they still shouldn't do it. But I'm just saying, that's a prophetic lie. That's not true. I say that with love, but that's not true. That's not true. This is not. I think we, we mean well, we're sincere, but we say things that just isn't true. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to move on past that. Okay. Uh, give me one more, Pastor Bree. Give me one more. You see somebody, you walk up to them, and you tell them, God told me you my husband, you my mate. I don't believe that's true. What you mean? I say, I don't believe that's true. You should walk up to them and say, you fine, and I hope you get to be my husband or my wife, because that's how you really feel. <laughs> don't blame God for that. Uh, no. God didn't tell me Diane's going to be my wife. No. I wanted her desperately, you see, to be my wife. Why? Because she was fine. What? She was fine <laughs> and intelligent and wonderful. Check off all my boxes. Bam, bam, bam. Bam, bam, bam. All the boxes. I mean, so for me, uh, I don't need to lie on God. I just need to say, I like her. I hope she gets to be the one. You, you know what I'm saying? I think sometimes we, we make up things to validate what we want, when in reality, we should just say we want it. She fine. I hope she's the one. I hope, hope, hope she looks just like that. Nothing wrong with that. That's right. See? So there are moments sometimes when you, you have this tendency to use God as a validator. And he said, be careful about that. Be careful. And the last one. He said, do not believe I sent them. Don't believe that I sent them. So there are five things. Do not listen to everybody who claims to speak for God. Do not let the prophets and diviners deceive you. Number three, do not allow people you lead to pressure you into bad decisions. Number four, do not believe prophetic lies they made up. And then number five, do not believe I sent them. I didn't send them. I didn't send them. They came on their own. They, 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 I, did, I did not send them into your life. You bumped into them. You believe you just bump into people? Yeah, I bump into people. You go to New York, you bump into people all the time on the street. Bump, I mean, you're trying to walk down the street. <laughs> Those of you New Yorkers know what I mean. Especially in certain parts and certain times of day, man, it's crowded. Don't, don't, don't make everything a spiritual moment. Don't. Don't. It's just so funny. I had a cousin, and this is really off the rails for a minute. She, uh, she's passed on now. Her name was Gwen. She's wonderful. She's wonderful. She told me a story. She, had, she met her husband. His name was Eddie. 
And she said, I was running from, I was running, I was running, and I was all upset. And I said, oh, oh, and she said she ran right into her husband, ran right into him, running, running from running in, in a moment of panic, and she wasn't paying attention where she was going, and she was a teenager, and she ran, and, and she said she bumped into him and fell, and he caught her. And she said, when I fell, I fell in love. <laughs> that thing was a great story, boy. I'll tell you what, man, that was so powerful. She had me rolling. And the, and so this is my cousin Gwen told me the story. So she, she said she ran into Eddie, and when she hit him, she went down. And she saw him as she was going down. And, and you know, they got married not, not long. They got together. They worked out. And it was amazing. They were married for, for many years, many, many decades. And, but what's powerful is they don't need to make that a God moment. It could be. But she just liked what she saw. And he liked what he saw. And they're glad they ran into each other. Don't you believe it's a sovereign thing? Yeah, see, but you get too spiritual. I'm, I, don't misunderstand me. I believe that God brought Diane and I together. God, I believe that. But I think there's sometimes we over, we, people use these moments and create a um, scenario that I believe is God, God is behind the scenes moving, but we have choice. She chose Eddie. He chose her. And I believe that, that you, you have to be, be, be aware that you're involved in this process. Sometimes when people speak to us and they say God sent them, we let that be the reason we quote. I've seen people do this. They'll marry somebody because they said, well, God told them that I'm their spouse, so I'll marry them. But you didn't choose them. That's not somebody you want. Don't marry them. Eh, don't do that. Don't, 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 don't choose a job just because somebody told you God said something to you. We, we, the point he's making in this is leaders use spiritual language and spiritual authority and, and to influence you, saying, I sent them, and so therefore you can't think. That's where I'm headed, okay? That, that's what he says is wrong. Don't allow that to happen. I want you to not allow a leader to corner you. Now, I'm going to give you an example of this, and, Jer and, and, and I'm going to take you to a book that may surprise you, Genesis chapter 11. There is a guy named Nimrod. Uh, he's not mentioned in the current text we're going to read, but he's the guy kind of behind the city. You've heard of Babel, the, the, the place where the, the languages were confused. And there's this incredible teaching that illustrates this point. Because the, the danger uh, is of leaders who try to pull everybody into their fold and lock out their brains and redirect God's will for people because they need a crowd. Now, I want, to, I want to be very careful when I say this. I believe in pastors. I'm one. I believe in a church growing. Our church has grown. Several thousand members. I get it. I'm not trying to in any way imply there's something wrong with that. I believe that God leads me. I believe that I'm supposed to give prophetic words to people, guidance. I believe I'm supposed to be a, a spiritual leader. I get all that. But there is a boundary for me. And there's a boundary for every leader. And we have to be very careful that we're not going to make the mistake of somehow rallying people around us and making ourselves the center of attention, as if that's everything. And you got to read that right. I'm on billboards. I'm on television. I'm on media. You're looking at me now. I'm not, it's not about me being highlighted. 
It's me having the right motive as a leader. And it can easily get off, off center. And that's the warning. This is the Bible. This is God's warning. Jeremiah is saying it. Leaders can get out of sync and can prophesy lies, can get off, get off and push you in the wrong direction. So here's, what, here's an example of this in, in the book of Genesis chapter 11. And I call this, um, this is, this is I, I call this the one place everyone needs to be mindset. That's what I call it. Okay? This is about a guy who is convincing people that everybody needs to live in one city, build one tower, one community, so everybody can stay in one place. That's what this is about. Let me read to you, Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found the plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name. Watch the goal now. The goal is to make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the entire face of the earth. So they've all gotten together and they've all made a decision. We don't want to be scattered over the earth. We want everybody to live in one community. We want everybody to stay in one place. We don't want any expansion. That goes contrary to God's instructions to Adam and Eve. Here's what he said in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. So please note God's original plan was not for man to be in one place. Here, here is God's original plan. He wants them to, and I'm going to do a series. Um, man, it, it, I did this. It's called um, Restoring God's Interrupted Plan. It's a study of Genesis. Look for it, okay? Restoring God's Interrupted Plan. And in that study, in that series, I, I deal with this whole issue of God's original plan. He had a man and a woman for a reason because he needed to procreate. That's why he decided. Don't get, that's not get all political, whatever. He said in order for them to have babies, you got to have men and women marry, be together, so the planet can fill up. Otherwise, it would just not fill up. There's, there's no biological way that would happen. So the plan was man and woman, so they'd be married, be together, have babies, and the babies would procreate, and then I want them to spread all over the world. That's what he said. That's God's original plan. Don't take that any other way than what he said, because that's how it works, okay? So he said, I want you to, I want you, I want you to go out, and I want you to um, fill the earth. They said, no, we don't want to do that. We want to live in one place. Here's where we're going to be, and that's it. The Lord comes down. He looks at this and says, hmm. Wow, verse 6. Then the Lord said, if, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their languages so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over the, all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That's important. This is a bad building project created by leaders. I want you to hear that. This is a bad building project created by leaders. 
who had a vision, a prophetic vision. Everybody needs to be in one church and one denomination and one group and one community with a headquarters in one place and everybody migrates to that one place because that's what they envision. And God says, that's not my plan. I want people to be German. I want people to be Australians. I want people to be Europeans. I want people to be Americans. I want people to live in Asia and South America. I want people all over the planet. And I want them to have plenty of babies. And I want them to have families. That's my vision. They said, we don't want that vision. We have another vision. I, uh, boy... Mm. You know, you know what I, I love about studying history and how things began is it makes you honest. A lot of us do things, and we don't have a clue how it started. How do we start having church on Sunday? How do we have starting having? We used to be worshiping on the Sabbath, which is Saturday, to be technically correct. And what happened? Well, it was honoring the first day of the resurrection of Christ. Right? He rose on the first day of the week. So they started having church on Sunday to celebrate that. And then where did they have church at? Well, they didn't have church in a building because they couldn't afford it. They had it in homes, Acts 2.41, Acts 2.41. They met in homes, house to house. They couldn't afford a building. There was no denominations. There was no organized structures. And you see some of it starting to happen in Acts chapter 15. You start seeing the church organized and the Catholics claimed to be the first major denomination and, and then the, the you know and then the protesters the the the, the <laughs> they called them the protesters right uh, came along and protested the catholic church and so you have this great split and now you've got these two major groups right catholics and the protestants the protesters right who protested against the catholic way of doing church and so you got all this stuff and then you got more denominations that broke off and so all of these groups come up and so if you're not careful everybody's trying to get everybody into their group you know the southern baptists believe they're the best you need to be southern baptist okay you know what i'm saying because that's where it's at oh uh, you need to be whatever methodist or catholic or whatever you need to be and so everybody's trying to create their own place and they're trying to gather as many people into that one place. <sighs> well, Pastor Rick, I asked you a question. Is that what you're trying to do? <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. I hope it's bigger than me. What we're doing is bigger than my church, your church, our church. It's bigger than a, a successful congregation with a lot of land and money and people. That's not what this is about. And I want to give you, if I can, five observations about the story that stand out to me that are important. Number one, I want you to notice this. They wanted everyone to be in one geographic place. That was the first thing. Number two, they want everyone to commit to one project, one building project. We're going to build towers to heaven. We're going to build a city. Oftentimes when people read Genesis 11, they focus on the towers. But the text said they're going to build a city. It was about a community. They were trying to get everybody into one, one place, working on one project, Boy, watch this. Number three, they want everyone committed to follow one leader or one group. One leader, one group. So this is one. It's always about one, right? And if you're not careful, that's you. And as a leader, if that's your message, it's all about everybody getting here. And then number four, they want everyone to commit to this city's lifetime project. There's no exits. There's no way we're going to ever leave. We're going to fight being scattered. 
We're gonna, we're gonna get mad when anybody leaves. You know how it's so amazing. If you go to places like this and you ever leave, they, they ostracize you. One project, one person, one place, one way of thinking, one way of dressing, one, 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 one. There's no diversity at all. It's like everybody being one color. Sometimes I think racists want everybody to be one color. You know, at a time in our history, it was all about being white. Everybody wanted to be white, right? There's no black, there's no beige. Everybody, well, no beige, okay, beige, who's beige, right? Okay, there's, there's, there's no, there's one culture. Everything's European or everything's, you know, uh, Italian or under the Romans, you know, it was, it's gotta be one way. And somehow that's, that's what we, we keep trying to go back to a Tower of Babel mindset. It's all about, there's no, no diversity allowed. And then lastly, they wanted to ignore God's plans and replace it with their own plans. That's what they wanted. That's what they wanted. And if you're not careful, that's the sign of dangerous leadership. Listen, God's not trying to give me a fiefdom, big word fiefdom, right? Or a kingdom of my own. God's not trying to give me my own little part of the world. I'm really careful about this. I'm so concerned because sometimes, you know, even in our efforts to be inclusive, we can sound exclusive. We are, we are it. And everybody needs to be with us. And I think that's why in this season of the re, uh, resetting of the church, where attendance is, 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 is doubtful, and you're not sure how many people are going to come back, and you're not sure what to do, it's in this moment that God reminds you, this is not your church, this is mine. All souls are mine. Jesus died, not you. It's all about you simply speaking the truth to help people be better. And he's trying to help these folks get their minds right. And he says, let me tell you, it's going to take a while, 70 years, you're going to be here. 70 years to reset your thinking. And sometimes it's when you go through a hard time, a pandemic, an endemic, a challenge, that you start to reset your life. And you get your mind back on the right track. And it's not about you. And it's not about doing it the one way you've always done it. This is how we're going to do it. First Sunday, second Sunday, third Sunday, fourth Sunday. Everybody going to gather here forever until they die, and that's it. No. Some people, some people have to backslide just to get out the choir. Some people have to backslide just to get a, a weekend off to be with their family because we make everything about being here with us one time every week or twice a week. In some settings, it's three times a week. You got to go there more often than you to go to your job almost. And, and, and then they ask you to volunteer for everything. They wear you out. And I'm not against it. We got hundreds of volunteers and lots of people. I'm not against any of this. But I'm saying our job as leaders is not to corner people into one place, but to lead people to their purpose and God's will for their lives so they can have a better life. And we can't keep prophesying to them what they want us to say. We need to tell them the truth. They got here where they were because of leaders. But the Lord said, Jeremiah 29, 11, but I got a plan for you. I've got a future for you. I've got a hope for you. I'm not trying to harm you. I'm not trying to take all your joy. I'm not trying to take all your money. I'm not trying to take all of your strength. I'm not trying to harm you. Lord have mercy. It's not going to happen overnight. It's time for all of us to check ourselves. My time's up. Next week, I close this out. And I'm telling you, it's going to be powerful, this section of it. I got some more I want to say, but, but there's a part to this I want to talk about where I talk about how you need to embrace a new timeline. You wanted things to come a certain way, but the Lord says it won't come that fast. 
It's a new timeline we must follow. And so let me pray for you today. And let me, let me, let me ask God to help you because I know some of you want God to move today. Some of you are facing a reality that this is going to take a while, but you're going to be okay. Let's pray. Father, I pray for us today. I pray that what we've talked about today has helped us to look at our lives and balance ourselves out. Leaders, help us, oh God, to be humble, teachable, and trainable. Help us learn how to wait. Help us learn how to believe the word. Help us to not have attitudes when people no longer want to be with us or follow us and go come to our churches or be a part of our team. Help us to celebrate the time they were there and release them to go to find their dream. And Father, may it not be about us, but about the people we serve. I pray for us. I pray for your church. I pray for this world, this community. I pray for all of us to wrap our, our minds around a new way of seeing things. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen. I'm telling you what, it's a joy to be with you. I want to pray one final prayer for you. Some of you today have heard me and you've never given your life to Christ and that's your issue. And I want to say to you that God's able to help you with that area of your life. So let me pray for your spiritual life. You may have been hurt by a leader. You may have been disappointed by a leader. But don't let a leader disappoint you. He's not God. She's not God. God is God. Father, I pray for those who don't know your Savior. May this be the beginning when they would open their hearts and minds to a new walk with you where they would trust you you died on the cross. You care for their sins. You care for their life. I pray they would invite you into their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being with me today. Thank you for allowing me to be in your life. And I pray that you would leave this conversation and say, you know what? Uh, I'm a leader, and I'm going to make sure that I'm leading people to where God wants them to be. And if you're following a leader, that you follow somebody that helps you get to God's best for your life. My name is Ricky Temple. It's been a joy. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.